We're still three weeks away from magazine season from starting in college football, but we're going to start trying to answer the question that is going to become the topic of August. Stick around. We'll tell you what it is. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are, in fact, free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and we're going to jump right into it. And what we're going to talk about today is the Sunterian Perkins question, and that is what to do with him. Now, this defense, I have said all along, is not a finished product and has not been a finished product all through spring. So any judgments that you have to spring football probably needs to wait until at least the transfer portal window shakes out and how Suntarian Perkins is going to be used. Now, I contend, and this is just me, Ole Miss's lack of a jack position, and I realize most of those are 6'3", 6'4", 250 pounds, but since they don't have one, I contend that Centarian Perkins could be a weapon on that side of the ball to where he can get after the quarterback, can simplify things a little bit, and can otherwise make it a Harold Perkins-type situation. It's kind of interesting to me to see exactly how it will go, but if Ole Miss could put together something similar to what Harold Perkins did at LSU last year, this defense could be a lot better than we think it is going to be. We're doing report cards right now, going through all the positions defensively and trying to answer questions that we have on that side of the ball. And today we're going to do the safeties once we hit the second segment of the show. And there's there's a ton of questions right now in the safety room. It, it is the room. It's, there's a reason that they are hitting the transfer portal in that direction so hard at the moment. Just period, end of story. But Centarian Perkins playing that jack position, alternating over into the husky position, playing both of the hybrid roles could provide a way for this defense to be very mobile, attack-oriented, and honestly, kind of fun to watch. Now, I I saw Suntarian down at the Under Armour All-American game, got to talk to the young man, quite impressive, um, just all about him. Talked to him and Aiden Williams that day, and it, it was it was a really good day. But Suntarian has never stepped on a football field where he wasn't the best player on it. I'm convinced of that. And that includes the Under Armour All-American game. This is a special, special player, which means that he is going to be probably adaptable to whatever you need him to do. There's probably ways that he can be effective on the edge, being playing a jack position, playing close to the line of scrimmage as a jack, maybe over on the other side whenever they go 4-2-5 as a husky. Those two roles, he could do those very well. Tony Connor-ish, but the closer to the linebackers or the line of scrimmage that he lines up, he's special. You see him at the Under Armour game and practicing, and he looked like, you know, kind of a guy. He looked like a typical Under Armour All-American whenever they were just running individual type stuff. 
it wasn't until 11 on 11 stuff started happening to where you saw how good the instincts were, how good the athleticism was, the football brain was. And knowing that, those hybrid roles to where he could go out, he could come back, he could rush the passer, he could play near the line of scrimmage, do run, um, run offense, and he could provide, honestly, even at 215 pounds, a Jacob Springer-type impact on the defense in year one. I, I expect him to. I this is one of the better defensive prospects that Ole Miss has signed in the last 50 years. And that includes Tony Connor and Kim Dietschy, all, all of those guys. There's been some players on the defensive side of the ball at Ole Miss. I don't think anybody would argue with that. But Santarian has a chance to be next level. So you got him for three years. You need to maximize those three years. And I think you can by letting him split and learning both positions between Jack and and Husky. And I will explain to you in the next segment why Husky is a little bit problematic. So that leaves the Jack position where there's not really anybody at the moment. You're going to have to put somebody like Cedric Johnson in that position. I think using Santarian Perkins, maybe that Jack position, maybe line him up at a um, will position in a 4-2-5 defense alongside somebody like Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, and you have a chance for him to be effective. Now, I think really highly of his football intelligence. And like I said, there hasn't been a football field that he has ever stepped on that he wasn't the best player on it. That'll probably change next month. But his football intellect, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and the ability to Pick this up quickly, fairly quickly, to do things something similar to what Tysheem Johnson and David Nigmanosan did, to do something similar to what Quinshawn Judkins did, to where you come to a college campus and you pick it up nearly immediately. I'm excited about what he can bring, but it is up to Ole Miss and the defensive coaching staff and Pete Golding to use him correctly. Now, Pete Golding recruited him like crazy at Alabama. Recruit, Alabama wanted him terribly bad. So that tells me he has an idea of how he wants to use him, even though he's going over to the place that ultimately got him. Santarian Perkins can make this defense a lot better than what we think it's going to be. When we give our post-spring report cards, which we have been all week, and we're talking about questions, 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 Santarian can be an answer immediately. Now, will he? I do not know. I'm thinking he'll be able to pick it up, but he might not. And sometimes when he don't, it takes a little bit of time. Even Harold Perkins, it took four or five games for him to hit his stride and become a dangerous player defensively. We'll see what Suntarian can do. I have, I'm betting on the fact that he's going to do quite well. Him and Aiden both. Both of them are as college ready as the wide receivers I've seen in quite some time. But I think they will be able to go far, and I think they will be able to impact the game, so to speak. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make a healthier snack choice, but you don't want to compromise taste, I've got just a thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. 
Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't even think they're good for you. You gotta try this. What makes the Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real dark chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about how you can go to Built.com, put in promo code LOCKEDON15, order your bars, and they'll come to your house. Now you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club, and still you're able to get the specialty flavors on Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, though, you can grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You will thank me later. These things are delicious. Heck, try the promo code if you need to order off of Built.com, LockedOn15. I don't know if it works, but it might. Um, So give it a try. You can thank me later. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show, Chris Childers from SiriusXM will be joining us talking a lot about a lot of stuff. The gambling stuff probably is going to come up. We're going to talk about preseason expectations for Ole Miss and the SEC in a general. Um, that is Chris Childers from SiriusXM is going to be on the program tomorrow. Now, we've been doing our post-spring report cards. And, you know, it's really interesting about what's going on. But the safety position is up next. And the safety position is the one I have the most questions for. Now, there's some answers there, but there's questions. And the questions results from the fact that Ole Miss has run three, six defensive backs for the better part of two years. So some of those safeties that are listed as a safety is not really going to be a fit for this defense. Now, I have not laid eyes on them in this system. So the questions that I have, we're going to have to wait until the fall to have them answered. But players like Aishim Young, Ladarius Tennyson, I I get a little bit nervous because these guys are true box safeties. They were brought in to play close to the line of scrimmage. If they play safety for Ole Miss, they are going to be a Husky candidate. And that's the reason I said, you know, hold the horses a little bit for Suntarian Perkins. Aishim Young and Ladarius Tennyson, they're excellent physical players who are great run stoppers. That's why they were brought in, to stop the run. But pass coverage-wise, they're not necessarily a minus coverage team, but that's not why they were brought in. So whenever you're playing a Husky, a strong safety, and a free safety, those strong safety and free safety, that becomes a little bit difficult because you do want people that can cover down the field. Now, you do have John Saunders, who's a slash position, slash corner, and um, safety. He's been playing a lot of safety, so you could see him back at free safety. Now, you have Trey Washington, who backed up Otis Reese pretty consistently last year and played pretty well. So those two I feel pretty good about, John Saunders and Trey Washington. But I have questions about the Husky position, Aishim and Legarius Tennyson. I need to see this. I need proof of concept 
of them in this defense. And I want to see how Taylor Groves does. He's somebody I've been excited about for multiple years at this point. I want to see him get on the field and make an impact as well. Now, there's a couple of players that you probably need to know about as well. Nick Cole out of Georgia. Um, defensive back, he's 5'11", 175. He was brought in almost as a Tysheem Johnson. He was brought in in the last defense. We'll see how he adjusts in the fall to this defense. And A.J. Brown, which I, I hate calling him A.J. Brown because of obvious reasons, um, but A.J. Brown's his name, so we will call him A.J. Brown. He is a true freshman that enrolled early, and in the spring he was the defensive player that was popping of the freshman class that we were hearing about. He was doing on the defensive side of the ball the same thing that Chris Marshall was doing on the offensive side of the ball. So it'll be interesting to see A.J.'s development into the fall. Now, numbers are there, as we just read off inf information. There's two positions, three positions, and there's a legit two deep already in play, plus players that are going to come in and try and make an impact. So we will see exactly what they do and how this gets handled. I'm just saying there's a ton of questions at this position. Probably might be a ton of answers, but there's a ton of questions as well. And knowing that, understanding what is going on will kind of make the defense a little bit more well-rounded. Like I said, players like Centarian Perkins have a chance to come in, make an immediate impact, and affect the outlook of this defense. It's why these magazines like Athlons and Lindy's, and I love them as much as anybody, and we're going to do shows about the Ole Miss section and both of them, but... I think it needs to be known that they don't know the answers to these questions either. They're all assuming. You know, I'm going to change the subject just a little bit here um, before we get out of here and go to Derek in the next segment. But the people that do these magazines, they're more responsible for blue bloods than anybody else in the country. They just guess. They just have to guess. Because the answers to the questions that they are asking they're not available. So they're assuming the answer. And as we all know what happens when you assume. But defensively, we all have questions. You're going to hear questions in these magazines about Ole Miss's defense. They don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. You don't know the answer. It's all a matter of trying to just project what's going to happen because there has been no play on the field that we can judge off of. We have not seen any full-speed 11-on-11 action. We saw the spring game that was thud, but no real action. We have not seen players like Suntarian Perkins line up for this Ole Miss defense. We have not seen if A.J. Brown can take a step defensively at safety. Will Trey Washington develop into a serious strong safety position? Will John Saunders, is he playing cornerback? Is he playing free safety? I do not know. But those are questions that need to be answered. And the sooner they're answered, the sooner this defense can go. Because this season, and I've said this multiple times before, this season is about maximizing for 2024. You want to put yourself in the position to be in the best position at the beginning of 2024. And that is starting now. If you wait until 2024 to play catch-up, you're already starting in a hole. 
I'm telling you, when Texas and Oklahoma come into this conference, it's going to be a different animal, especially at a school like Ole Miss. You need to be in the best shape you can possibly be in, and you can't afford to yo-yo and go back. Because Ole Miss, over historically, has been an ultimate yo-yo type town or type school. Ups and downs and ups and downs. So we'll see exactly what goes on. In the next segment, we'll have Derek Vandy Griff, and he'll talk about the weekend series against Auburn. He'll have a rundown of Rebels in the minor leagues. And, of course, we'll talk about Calvin Harris and his bomb party last Saturday. So stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, comment, and upvote the video itself. We'd appreciate it. Also, join our subtext community. We don't get information a lot, but when I do, I put it there first. We also do exclusive live streams and things like that for them. And as football season gets closer, it will be a good value for you. I'm here with Derek Vandegrift. We're going to talk baseball. No, seriously, we're going to talk baseball. Um, still doing it. <laughs> yeah, still doing it. And let's start with Calvin Harris. He was kind of the bright spot yeah. of a just blah weekend. The first Ole Miss player, well, actually the first SEC player to have four home runs in a conference game. And that was only good enough for co-offensive player of the week. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I – I don't know how you couldn't give it to him outright. Uh, I I didn't even see who got the other co-player of the week in the SEC. I, I assumed it was that freshman for Georgia. I saw he had another big weekend. Just it was like somebody from Missouri, man. Luke Mann. Okay, well, yeah, that's that's a guy we talked about last week uh, on the podcast, too. I think he that, that actually makes sense. He had four or five home runs against us over the three days, so – yeah, I guess that does make sense because uh, he absolutely crushed us and we just kept pitching to him for whatever reason. Uh, but, yeah, Calvin obviously had a heck of a day, man. I mean, he's having an incredible year. Uh, ended up tying the RBI still game record for Ole Miss, you know, with 10 and uh, ended up setting the record for the most total bases. Obviously, he hit four home runs and get 16 total bases. That's just kind of how that works. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> big day for him, uh, you know, it was nice to see, quite quite frankly, after that loss on Thursday, it kind of ended our hopes for a NCAA tournament berth outside of us making Hoover and going and winning the whole thing just from the, the metric standpoint, the strength of schedule, RPI, stuff like that. It wasn't going to work out with, with just 13 SEC wins, I don't think. So, obviously, after that Friday game, it's all – about players playing with pride, playing for the name on the front of their jersey, all that stuff you hear about all the time, right? And and I do think that's important. I mean, that's that's one thing that we've always done, always play with pride. You know, this is a, a very proud program, something – this is a kind of season Mike Bianco's never gone through before. And, and to see those guys, I mean, they, they still fought like hell this weekend. I know Friday was an absolute embarrassment, but, uh, you know, I – I, I, I believe Mike Bianco even said as much about Friday. I think that was his direct quote, and he's absolutely right. Uh, but, you know, that, that Thursday game is one you got to get. And uh, Saturday, the bats came out. You know, Calvin Harris was incredible. Uh, shot and yay. You know, you got contributions up and down the lineup that day, which obviously we needed because we give up, what, what was it, 14 runs or whatever it was, even though we had scored 20. So, uh, yeah, good, good little, uh, you know, 
sticker on on the season for Calvin Harris, right? Four four home runs goes down his first SEC player do it in a conference game. So good for him, happy for him. He's been good all year long. Uh, you know, just keep raising that draft stock and hopefully see him in the minors and the majors here here coming up real soon. Yeah, and I see that scoreline of the game Saturday, and I was like, oh, Ole Miss has a kicker problem. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's exactly what it looked like. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, not at football season quite yet. Still got a couple months to go, so we're going to hammer through these last couple weekends of SEC play, see if we can catch a little bit of fire, get to Hoover maybe, and, uh, you know, see what happens from there. But uh, definitely going to be an interesting offseason, though. I'm I'm really excited to dive into that, the – the season in review and then and then what we got coming up for next year and addressing a lot of needs because there we we obviously lose a lot especially on the offensive side of the ball i think pitching is going to be really really good for us next year uh especially if hunter elliott gets back you know there's talk about him being able to get back february or march because you didn't have the full tommy john it was a a hybrid type surgery uh so you know if you're able to get him back to pair with jt quinn and grayson saunier the experience they got this year so you know there's there's some potential to have a really, really deep and really good pitching staff when you look back and you have Nichols and Mallets and uh, Riley Maddox there in the bullpen too. So still a lot to be be really excited about going into next year, you know, but we still got a couple more weekends and we're going to keep talking about it until the games are over this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if anybody's wondering about NIL for next year's baseball season, starting in June, we're going to start having a monthly segment with Jason Simmons from Dead Soxy, who has an NIL yeah. socks program. So you can buy socks for him and tell us what's going on just in time for Father's Day, and it will actually yeah. help the program as well. Fantastic. All right, so let's get into the Auburn season, our series. What do we need to know? Yeah, uh, you know, Auburn's coming in. I mean, they've got a heck of a lot to play for. They've they've had two really good weekends. They uh, took two out of three from LSU at home this past weekend. Weekend before that, they went to South Carolina and took two out of three. And, you know, they, they look up and they're 11 and 13 right now with uh, 28 RPIs. We sit here today in number six strength of schedule. Uh, they come to Oxford, obviously, this weekend, and then they go to – or they get Missouri at home next weekend. So the, you get two of the bottom three teams in the SEC. And uh, with metrics like that, the RPI and the strength schedule, if they get enough wins, they could really play themselves into a host. And, and you know, Butch is over there telling them that too, you know, not not to overlook Ole Miss or Missouri because of how much they have on the lines. We're, we're going to get a really, really motivated Auburn team, I feel like, uh, this weekend, and especially if if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Auburn's won a baseball game in Oxford since 2014. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure they want to get that monkey off their back too, right? Uh, and quite frankly, this is the year to do it. Uh, and, you know, Butch has always done a really good job over there at Auburn. He's made two College World Series, if I'm not mistaken, since he's been there. And uh, they've been without their ace basically all year this year too. And, you know, he's – he just keeps finding a way to piece these things together and, and just keep piling up wins. They're 27 and 19 and one. They have a tie this year. They're, they're one of the rare teams to actually have that. Uh, but, you know, like, like I said, 11 and 13 in the SEC, you got six left against two of the bottom three. If they're able to get to 16 or 17 over these next two weekends with the metrics they have, uh, go to Hoover, make just a little bit of noise. They're, they're absolutely in line to host a regional, which, uh, which would be quite an accomplishment for them the the way this this season's gone for them with the injuries and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and if anybody needs motivation for any reason to go support this team or go to games this weekend, Kemp Alderman and Jacob Gonzalez, this is probably their Oxford swan song. And if you're not willing, yeah, this, is, this, this, might be the, yeah. Yeah, this might be the last chance to see them play. Um, yeah. I mean, just kind of piggybacking off that for a second, you know, I mean, uh, not only those two guys, but you got, you know, guys like Pat, uh, Peyton Chatagnier and uh, Calvin Harris is going to be gone too. You know, this is last year in Oxford. I mean, the, the way he swings the bat, he's going to end up getting drafted and going to the, to the pros next year too. Uh, you know, and even a guy like TJ McCants, you know, I know it's been a up and down career for him, but he's battled through a heck of a lot of adversity since he's been here in Oxford. And, you know, without TJ McCants and Peyton Chatney last year, Ole Miss doesn't win a national championship. You know, we, we don't even get into the NCAA tournament. They're, they're kind of the catalyst that, that's, that kind of got the bottom of that lineup going a little bit for us last year. And then when they got into postseason play, they were just out of their minds. Every time TJ McCants didn't start, he was coming in and hitting a pinch hit bomb, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning for us. And, uh, you know, then you get to Omaha and those guys just kind of kept it rolling for us. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's still a lot to support about this team. There's a lot to be grateful for these guys that aren't going to be here anymore that, that brought us so much joy and happiness and, you know, more than anything brought us a national championship. And that's something that, uh, you know, we've obviously always wanted. A lot of people didn't think we would ever get. Uh, but but these are the core guys that kind of got us there and, and, and got that championship along with guys like Delusia, Elko, Kevin Graham and Bench and, and all of those guys. Josh Mallett's too, you know, uh, we, we've talked about him a hundred times on this podcast since we started this thing last year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, go go out, support these guys. Uh, they, they deserve it. Uh, I guarantee you nobody feels as bad about the way the season has gone as those guys do and, and Mike and his staff. So uh, get out, support them, keep watching, keep rooting for them. And, uh, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but I'm going to be here for them until the last pitch is thrown. Absolutely. Before we get out of here, um, Rebels and Minor League Baseball, any headlines we need to know about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Tim Elko actually on Tuesday got named the Carolina Player of the Month. He is hitting everything that is thrown across the plate right now. Uh, 324, seven home runs, uh, a 959 OPS. Uh, seems like every morning I wake up and scroll through Twitter with my morning coffee, I'm seeing another highlight of him hitting a big monster home run. Uh, he's in single A right now, you know, but he's older, if you want to say that, for – for a minor league player, especially in single A ball, he's he's the kind of guy that I think can progress quickly. Uh, definitely one of their top prospects that's that's making headlines. You know, you've I've I've started following a lot of future White Sox accounts and stuff like that 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 deal with minor leagues, and uh, seems like every other tweet they put out is about Tim Elko and how unbelievable he's been doing this year. So, obviously, great for him. I mean, absolute Ole Miss legend what he did. Uh, during his time, you know, and then when he tore his ACL and then hit that big home run against Texas A&M and then, of course, followed it up with the national championship the very next year. So super happy for him. We always knew he could hit, and that's what he's doing right now. Uh, Doug McKaysey's in double-A in Cleveland right now, 377 ERA, really struggling with command, though. That's that's the only thing that's getting him. Uh, he's got 20 walks and 14 innings. He's, he struck out 13, so he's almost at a – at a strikeout per inning there, uh, but 
the the 195 walk is something he's got to get under control and and it's something he will get under control I, I i don't remember that being a huge deal for him while he was in oxford so i i've got confidence he'll be able to turn that around and uh you know he's he's going to end up pitching in the big league sooner rather than later if i had to guess uh and then you know the the Oxford, the Oxford boy, Gray Kessinger, you know, he's in AAA right now with Houston, had a really good year last year, and he's kind of followed it up right now. Uh, shouldn't be too long before you're able to see him somewhere in that Houston Astros lineup, whether it be later this year when the September call-ups come up or maybe next year. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's had another really good year, hitting 311 with four home runs, two steals. Uh, he's he's fielding it really well, 967 fielding percentage in in his career. That is, that's over four four years of minor league baseball. He's only got 21 errors and 632 chances so far. So he's he's been really really good. Uh, I I do want to mention Ryan Rollison. That's one of the better pitchers I'd ever seen come through Ole Miss. You know, uh, you think of Palmerans and and Delusia and Nikhazy. And Lance Lynn, Ryan Rollison's right there in that group. I mean, he was absolutely dominant for us while he was here. Uh, he was really breezing through the minors. He he was pitching really well there his first couple years and ended up having to have a shoulder surgery, which which cost him all of last year. That set him back a little bit. So, But he's over that. He's, he's recovering, should pitch this year. And there's some that think that he could even make his major league debut for the Rockies later on in the year. So that would be a lot of fun to see, to see Ryan come up and, uh, you know, actually be able to, to contribute a little bit, uh, uh to the Rockies. Uh, you know, we, we saw that went with Drew Pomeranz when he got up there. It's, a, it's an incredibly hard place to pitch, but if anybody can do it, I got faith in Ryan and, and hopefully he, he can get back to a hundred percent and get back to the way he was a couple of years ago when he was dominating the minor leagues. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Chris Childers of um, Sirius XM fame will be on the show, the Friday Locked On Ole Miss podcast. So tune in for that if technology doesn't get in our way and prevent it from happening. Anyway, Derek, thank you very much for stopping by. We'll see you next week, bud. All right, buddy. Hi, Toddy. Hi, Toddy.